Super excited today about what God wants to do. So I want to jump right in it. We've been talking about Elijah. And in Elijah, we've had this memory verse, and we're talking about this human man who prays that there will be no rain, and then rain comes. Well, today we're in the rain story, amen? Middle of summer, and rain is going to come. You guys excited about that? I believe God wants to do something today. Online, in this room, I believe today something special is going to happen. I think we, we got a, a, a buddy of mine that's going to come up and share a little bit, and we're going to use him as a story. But let's jump right into the memory verse. And, and, and James writes this to let us know a couple of things. First of all, that Elijah is a human being. Second of all, he's just like me and you. He puts on his pants or his garb one foot at a time. He's normal. He goes to the bathroom. He does all these normal things, but you'll see at the end that supernatural things continue to happen, one of only two that happen in the Bible. Here's what it says, James uh, 5.17. After James has communicated, this is what prayer is like and how powerful prayer is. He uses this as an analogy. He says, listen, look at Elijah. He was just like us, and his prayer stopped rain. Here's what it says. Elijah was a human as we are, and yet we prayed earnestly so that no rain would fall. He prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, and none fell for three and a half years. That was the beginning of the prayer. That happens in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. He comes before Elijah and he says, Listen, you guys are apart from God. I need to put a drought upon you so that you will come back to me. And then he says, then he, when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield crops. Today, the rain is coming. And it's going to come in this room and it's going to build so that all of us can have a greater level of faith. You know, I've been told, my, I, have a, I have a couple of people that speak into my life. So one of them is Jeremy Kays that was singing. I've got uh, my, my parents, I got friends here, and I've got a couple of mentors in my life, and one of them sits in the front row uh, with his lovely wife. She's actually the one that speaks into his life, and then he speaks into me. And uh, I know, I'm smart, Randy, I know. And Randy's told me since I've met him, hey, hey brother, you have a gift of faith. You have a gift, and, and one of those gifts is faith. And what that means is that I, I guess, from his, this is not something I'm not claiming this as myself, that I'm not afraid to get out of the boat. I'm dumb enough like Peter is basically what I'm saying. Amen? Any other dummies out there? Yeah, there's a lot of dummies. Are we willing to get outside the boat? Gift of faith is saying, I'm going to step out and try and do something amazing. And today, I believe God wants to bring some, what we might call impartation or something to give to you to wherever you're at in life. If you've been a Christian for 30 years, he wants to strengthen your faith today on whatever you're struggling with. He wants to give you a, a vitamin B shot, a God shot that's going to strengthen your faith that you will hold through. If you don't have faith, if you've lost your faith, if you're in this wobbly believer, don't really understand God, today I believe is going to push you across the line. And if you're in this drought, God's going to give you enough to hold on for another day, week, year, Five years, if need be, because I believe that's today. Excited? Three people are excited. God's going to move. I'm going to ask my brother to come up. Uh, Mike Morissette. Do you have a mic, dude? Yeah, come on up. All the way up. All the way up. I don't know. Can you? Uh, did you pretty good for... I don't know about that, but that's not. Hey, this is my friend Mike Morset. I don't know if you guys have ever seen him before. An amazing man of God. 
And at our church, we use images and teaching tools to help you remember a message. And so I want you to remember this sermon as the mic message. Not the mic, but the mic, because this guy's an amazing man. He is one of the original members of the church. He was there on every barbecue and everything that we've done. He's been teaching and doing a lot of things, but he's got a crazy story. Before his life became real, God planted him in a church, and then things changed. And we're going to use Mike's story today, but I wanted you to get to see this guy and know him. And you're going to tell us a story about, in the middle of your story, I'm going to get to this part about the middle of my message. But you're going to tell us just one story about uh, the house and what was going on. So kind of give it, walk us through that moment in time with faith. There you go. Yeah. Introduce your family, your kids. I guess we got to do that. We got some pictures. I don't know. You ever been to Mike's family's house? This is the kind of stuff that they do. This was pre-Christianity. And uh, the funny thing is they're no better now than they were back then. But here's a picture of his family. I think we've got a picture of all of them right there. He's got an awesome family. So introduce your family, buddy. Uh, my wife, Linda, uh, Kyle, and Connor. Um, yeah, powerful group, and, uh, a powerful family. So, you know, we, we were... Brought to the church, uh, not understanding what, what it was. I mean, I just wanted my boys to, to have a, an opportunity to have something that I never, never had. And I'll, I'll fast forward to, to the house. So, so we, when we came to church, we, um, it was like they were on the recession just before that. And we, uh, I remember we were, there was no work. We were losing the house. And we spent about two years uh, not paying rent, you know, we didn't, we, there was no work, we could barely keep the electricity on, the utilities were always behind, and we were thinking, someday they're going to come take the house, what are we going to do, and we couldn't even afford to keep the, the lights on, how are we going to get anywhere else, um, every place we would go to, they would turn us down, I, um, finally, w one place took a chance on us, and, and we were, uh, I, you know, I don't know how we scraped up the money to get in there, but we came up with a, God provided a couple thousand dollars, so we got in, and it's been probably nine years, and, and we haven't missed a, a payment, so, so, but. So you weren't making a payment for two years, and then all of a sudden you got to get into a new place and make payments. And God showed himself, and you basically went to this lady, right? Mm -hmm. And what would you tell her? You told her the truth, right? Yeah, we, we, we was, I was just honest with her, and, and I said, you know, if you, if you give us a chance, um, here's where we're at. And I just opened everything out. Um, I said, I'm not really working, but we'll try our best. And, and you know, I, somewhat of that conversation, and, and she, f she gave us a chance, and... And God just provided. Every month he provided. And it, and it was still tough. It, it never got better really financially. But, but every month we had enough to, to make ends meet. And, um, but it took, it took stepping out to do that. Um, and I remember a, a verse in James where it says, Faith without works is dead. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I had to step out. And it was scary. Um, uh, you know, my business was failing, and um, but once I stepped out, God met me there, and He went, "We, we won't let you go." 
So, Amen. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. That's, uh, give him a hand. We're going to tell his story through the day, but I wanted you to get to know him. And here's what I want you to do. After the service, go up and ask him more about the details. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it, man. Today we're going to talk about faith. If you look at the themes that we've had in Elijah, today we're going to talk about faith. And Mike is a faithful man, and we're going to use his story. But in the, in the story of Elijah, 1 Kings chapter 17, 18, 19, you're going to see a couple of themes. One of the themes we talked about was obedience. And remember, we talked about life being a grind and Christianity being a grind. And then the following week, we talked about being fed by ravens. And so the, there's been obedience, there's been prayer, and today we're going to talk about about faith. Elijah's been a faithful man, and faith is something that we should communicate regularly. I, should, I was looking at the website the other day and looking at all the messages, and I'm like, we haven't talked about faith in a long time, and I, I was already deciding that we were going to talk about faith, and, and the point is this. We probably need to do it once or twice a month because we forget. We need to understand faith. Now, what's the difference between faith and belief? We have a lot of believers and a lot of belief going on, but we don't have as many faithful followers. That's a big difference. And you're going to see the difference, and I put it up in the notes. If you don't have this, ask me afterwards, but here's what it says. It says, faith versus belief. Belief is a product of the mind. I believe that my belt is going to hold up my pants, hopefully. I believe that this stage is going to hold all the tacos I ate last night. I believe that. I believe that the walls are going to stay up. I believe that something's going to happen. The air conditioning's going to work. I believe. But it's a product of the mind. Faith is a product of the spirit, and we would say the Holy Spirit. It's an internal thing that comes up, and it builds inside of you so that you can have faith. Different than belief, and I think that's important. You know, if, 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 uh, if, if you're in a faithful place, you need to shut your mind. Our mind most of the time interferes with our faithful process. Our mind is a destroyer of great faithful people. We struggle. We have issues. There's things that come into our life. And all of a sudden, our head takes us right out of the will of God and into belief and into the place where the mind wants to go. And it wanders and we struggle. To have faith in the worst of times, no doubt you're going to have to shut your mind off. You know how many times somebody has had to tell me and I've had to tell other people, you need to dummy it down a little bit. You need to dummy it down. You need to shut the thinking off because the thinking is destroying and holding you back from a faithful place of God. Because faith is outside of the box. Faith is outside of the boat. Faith is something far more than we can see humanly speaking. It's something that we can't see. Let me give you an example. Faith happens when our beliefs run aground. When we, we, we come up to these dry moments where my buddy Mike was, he came up, came to church, had a really cool truck, had tattoos and this cool hip family, and all of a sudden, his beliefs and his life kind of went aground, and faith happens. Let me give you two examples of how that works. Say you're in a relationship, and God forbid this happens, and if it's happened, hopefully great things have happened in your life, but you're in a relationship, and your significant other cheats on you. You happen to give them another chance. How does that actually work? You, you give them another chance. The question is, how does that work? Does it happen because you've worked on your emotions and you know exactly what happened and you have knowledge and feelings? Is that how it works? No. For that to ever repair and, and change and transform, it's through this spiritual thing called faith. Where you start thinking, I, I believe that this is going to work. I believe God wants me to be here. I believe he or she can be better. 
and I'm going to trust that God's got them in the, in the right path. It's an internal thing done by faith, not by man. Forgiveness is the biggest miracle of all times, and it's not something that we can do humanly. Speaking, it's something that we need to tap into. We need this kind of stuff so our faith can grow. It's not about knowledge, emotions, feelings, or beliefs. Here's the second example. Say you're a normal, well-rounded person. If you're here, I'd love to meet you, by the way, but just say that you're a normal, well-rounded person, right? And as in life, that something terrible happens to you randomly, just out of nowhere, something terrible, an accident. Something happens where uh, it, it destroys your family as life does. Do you depend on feelings, emotions to regroup and get out of that? Or do you depend on faith? Those that go to, to, to counseling, and I'm a big advocate of counseling. I do a lot myself. But if you're just dealing with feelings and emotions, there's really no healing. You need to put faith in the middle of it and believe that God has a plan and that he can take you out of that pit. And he will group, regroup you, not some person, not some feeling, not some emotion. That's what we're talking about here today. Here's the key point of today's message. Hopefully I'll repeat it. It should be in your notes. Faith is not about seeing Faith is about trusting. Trust is the output of faith. If you have faith, you will be in a trusting situation. If you have faith. If not, you won't be in a trusting situation. Faith is not about feelings or emotions. Faith is a place of confidence, assurance. That's what we'll see in a few minutes when we go to the normal faith definition of Hebrews 11.1. 1. Today we're going to talk about the phases of faith. And I, I believe today somebody's going to hear something that's going to open them up to faith. Because I think this story stretches our mind on faith. And here's what it is. The invisibility phase, the insignificant phase of faith... And the incredible phase. We all want to be incredible in that phase. Oh, Jesus is alive and I'm doing great. My kids are well behaved. If, if anybody has that, let me know. I'd love to see them as well. But we want to be in that credible phase, but we've got to go through the invisible and insignificant a lot of times to get to the incredible phase. So we're going to use this message and this little story about rain coming to really watch God's work and move. Amen. So if you're able to stand, let's stand and read from uh, Kings chapter, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 41. And we're going to see that God uses this story. Then Elijah said to Ahab, go and get something to eat and drink, for I hear a mighty storm coming. So now Elijah saying, look, remember, the storm is coming. Go get something to eat or drink. And when Ahab went to eat or drink, Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel, and bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. We got a picture of Mount Carmel again last week. Remember, we got this picture. This is a picture from Israel. This is looking over. And this is the top. And if you veer to the left in Israel, this is where Armageddon would happen in Megiddo. This is an amazing place. And he's up here and he's praying and asking for God to move. And so what I want to do today is I just want to kind of react and pray like he has. He says he just got on his, he got into this hot yoga place. And I'm not a yoga guy at all. I don't necessarily believe in it. But he's just like, I'm going to get on my hands and knees and I'm going to put my face in here and I'm going to pray. So let's pray. Father, I come before you today and I pray that there will be new salvation today. That there will be a growth in faith in someone that will really overtake their life. That they will be weeping and crying out to you. Father, I pray as I humbly sit like Elijah did that you will reveal yourself. That the word of God will come and that we will see you work. And Lord, I pray that you are going to transform us as a community, as a society, as a world for your kingdom's sake, Lord. Let your kingdom reign. Speak to us boldly today in Jesus' name.
And all God's people said, amen. amen. Go ahead and be seated. If you remember last week, we were on Mount Carmel, and we were on this epic battle of a little G-God versus the almighty big G. That's God with a capital G. In the text, it's actually a little G, the, the God of Baal, and then we have uh, the big G, God, which in the text would say Yahweh in Hebrew. When Yahweh brought down the fire, it got everybody's attention. The altar was healed. The altar was repaired. It was cleansed, and now people were repenting and saying, I feel you, Lord. I see the heat. I know that I, make, I need to make some changes. I'm going to run back to you. I'm going to come before you, and everything's prepared and right and whole, and that's where we're at. All was right again. Now, still after... Uh, uh, Elijah has the 850 prophets killed. They're still in a drought. What's the purpose of a drought? We're a drought country, or city or a community. Northern California wants to secede because we're taking all their water, they said. Right? Do you guys realize that if we stopped, all of Southern California stopped using water today for a month or two months or three months, that it would only affect like 12%? Most of the water goes elsewhere. It's not Southern California. So take long showers. Just go for it. I'm kidding. Please don't say that. I'm just kidding. Uh, trust me, I got girls. We, they take forever in a day, and I'm telling them not to. A drought is a disciplinary measure. God puts a drought in the Israelites' life so that they can be disciplined. God puts droughts in our life so that we can be transformed and changed. I'm not feeling it. I don't understand it. I can't hear God. I can't feel him. He's putting us in a drought. And it's not always a negative things going on on the outside like Mike's life. Sometimes a drought internally is something that we're dealing with. But outside, things are okay. Work's okay. Marriage is okay. Life's okay. But internally, I'm in this drought. And God is using it to see where you're really at. Where's your faith at? Are you going to keep fighting and working through this process? God uses these droughts because sometimes things are better outside than inside. Do you ever feel like that? That's kind of where we're at. We get what we call a dry place. And God wants to take us off that dry place, but it requires a lot of faith. When God shows himself, things start to happen. Have you ever seen that? All in the Bible, when Jesus and God show themselves, Old Testament, New Testament, things really start to happen, and it's a powerful thing. When God shows up in your life, when you see in Mike's story, when God shows up in his life, things start to get incredible. God shows himself, and he says, rain's coming. Yay, rain, we need it. I'm out of the drought. I can feel what God's doing. Yay, we need this to happen. But listen, Hold your horses because we still need to understand it might take some time to get to that place. It's going to take great faith and in, enduring patience to sometimes get to where God wants us to get to that incredible phase of faith. So just understand that and that's what we're going to talk about today. Today we're going to start off with the invisibility phase. This is probably the most important phase that Christians need to understand, which is the invisibility phase. Here's what it says, and we'll kind of start with, with, with the invisibility phase in verse 43. It says, And then he said to his servants, Go and look out towards the sea. And when the servant looked, he returned back, and he didn't see anything. So Elijah's sitting down here, and he's in this place where he's got his head down. And he's like, Go look. Just, just go look. And he stays in this place. And the servant comes back, and he says, I, I, I didn't see anything. 
Now, here's what faith says. The Hebrews 11, every time we've got to use this verse, because this is actually the definition of faith, and I know you've heard it over and over, but do you believe it? Here's what it says. Faith is the, co- is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. That's what faith is. In that, you can see the invisibility phase in that sentence. The invisibility phase of faith is in that sentence, in that verse. We need to understand that. Now, the servant went out. Elijah's got his head in his knees. The servant went out, and he comes back, and he says, I don't see anything. I don't see nothing. There's nothing out there. Now, even though God said there was rain, he comes back and says, nothing's out there. Is the servant wrong? Was God's word not good enough? Was it a wrong situation, or are we just in what we call the invisibility phase of faith? Is that where we're at? Because I think that's where we see happening. We can't really see what's going on. Now, I'm not a meteorologist, but I put a slide up here so that you can see something about rain. Rain is a process. And I took a class in uh, Chico State and uh, studied a lot of things And water was one of them. But here's what it says. And you guys all see this. That rain has this condensation situation. And a lot of times we don't see it. It happens over big bodies of water. It takes all the water out of my grass. I don't necessarily see it. But it's part of the invisibility phase of rain. And that's why this story is in the Bible. Because it's showing us there's this invisibility stage of rain just like it is in faith. I hope that makes sense. That we see that this invisible process of rain also is part of our faith. There's a moment in time where we just can't see nothing. I don't know where you got, God. I don't know why my marriage or why my finances or why my faith is so bad. I just don't feel it. I don't understand it. I don't get it. And I don't, I don't like it. You know, God loves to start something out of nothing. God loves to start something. We just celebrated our birthday. And there was a tree and a few people coming at 12 o'clock noon at Pitts Ranch Park. And out of nothing, something occurred. And it was far more and is far more than we ever really imagined. It wasn't really our plan. Journey started from nothing. Jesus' ministry, out of nowhere, he walks up onto his cousin and says, I'm here, and out of nothing, something starts in his ministry. He's baptized, and all of a sudden, it's on. I was going to say, it's on like Donkey Kong, but that's a little old school for you. Does anybody remember Donkey Kong? Man, you guys are old. Jesus sent his disciples two by two, the 72, out into the streets to do ministry. And he said, take nothing. I don't want you to leave with anything. Just go with your clothes. Don't take money. Don't take anything extra. And start and trust in this process. It's going to look tough and it's going to feel tough. But I want you to start with nothing. I want you to learn to have faith. Jesus died on the cross. And even his disciples and his mother's like, what's going on? And one guy's like, come down if you're the Lord and come off the cross and show yourself. And that evening or that afternoon he died and there's an earthquake. And the next day or two, guess what happened? Nothing. Spiritually, crazy stuff that we can't see is happening. But in the world, the disciples didn't understand, and nothing was really happening. And then on the third day, Easter Sunday, we rise up, and great things occur. 
But it took a couple days of nothing for something to happen. And then he's on this earth for 40 days. And then he leaves again. And nothing. Go up to the upper room and pray and wait. And then the day of Pentecost comes. And something starts out of nothing. Again, over and over, this invisibility phase is is something that we need to understand. You're praying and you're not seeing anything happen. Your kids, you love your kids, but they're struggling and nothing's going on. You might be in the invisibility phase. You're in a job and your revenue is not working and, 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 and you're struggling to make ends meet. You can't even come to the end of the month and you don't have enough money. You're in this revenue's place of, of lacking. Nothing's changing. Maybe you're in the invisibility stage. You've been in, uh, you've been in prayer for something for years. Nothing. No change. Your relationship is dry with your kids or with your spouse. Nothing's happening and you've been on your best behavior for the last 12 minutes. The last 12 days, 12 months. You might be in this invisibility stage. It doesn't mean that God is not doing something. You're just in this place of the invisibility stage of faith. Are you in the stage of your life right now? You're saying, I just don't see God doing anything. I feel like nothing. I feel invisible to God and to people. I just don't see it. God wants to have this message and this sermon build you up. This phase seems like a drought. You don't see anything. But you are, as the Apostle Paul would write, to keep fighting the good fight even when you don't feel like fighting. Even if nothing is working in your life, you are to keep praising God. Even when you can't feel anything, that, anything from God, you are to keep praying. Even when you can't hear anything, you are to keep reading. Even when you can't face anybody, you're to keep getting up and showing up to church, to family, to friends. You are to keep going to work even when you can't feel anything because something starts out of nothing or the invisibility stage. Do you believe that today? Let's go back to my buddy Mike who was sitting up there. My buddy Mike Morissette, he came to church right before everything hit the fan. And that's P-O-O-P. That's what we're calling that. He came into church, had a nice truck, had a business, had equipment to do his job. And then within six months, everything started to fall apart. And people like myself and other pastors from Crossroads and other friends are putting their arm around him. Brother, it's going to be okay. God's doing something in your life. Really? The bills aren't being paid. The kids are hungry. Food needs to be put on the table. The business is now closed after six months or a year in church. The house hasn't been paid. They can barely put bread and food on the table. Something's happening? Trust me, it didn't go very well. But the truth is, Mike remained so faithful, it was unbelievable. He's still going to church, and he's hearing sermons like this, that you got to stay faithful. you got to do the right thing. you got to keep going and keep pointing your life into, in, in, towards Jesus. But I'll be honest with you, man. For two or three years, nothing happened. It just kept getting worse and worse. And then that faithful moment where someone led him into a new place. And he sat over there and got a place, and they still didn't foreclose his house for like three or four months. And he's like, I should have stayed a few more months. But he was afraid that one day they were just going to kick him out and they were going to have nothing. 
But God didn't do anything for those whole time. He lost everything. And there was a moment, and I don't want to call my brother out, but, man, all pride was gone. All self-respect was gone. He's humble. A couple years of drought like that, man, it was crazy. And it was hard. Now I want to go from that invisibility stage to the insignificant stage. And you'll see how it kind of unfolds. Listen, sometimes most of us are struggling because we're in this stage of our faith. Here's the second part. It's insignificant. doesn't sound like it's a great faithful sermon, but I really, I promise you, this is what we need to hear today. The insignificant stage. Now here's the thing. Elijah is, once again, he's back on his face and he's praying in this hot yoga place. And he's in this place and he's praying and he's like, do you see anything? No. Go again. And he's praying. Comes back. Any rain? Nothing. Go again. Did you see anything? Nothing. Go again. Now, he's got his hand in his, he's doing this and he's praying. And in this prayer time, why is he praying like this and he's sending someone else out? Why? Because he doesn't want to lose where he's at in his prayer. The world and his beliefs will start creeping in. When he's got his head down and he's sending someone else out, he's trusting God, you're going to do something, and all I'm going to do is just keep breaking these insignificant prayers until you show up. God uses us a lot of times to use other people to go out and, and check and, and, and tether the situation so that we can remain in our prayer time, even though it seems insignificant, God is using it so that we stay focused. When Peter loses focus on Christ, he drops into the water. Elijah knows that if I get in and I go look for myself or I get my head out of my lap, I'm going to end up start losing faith because nothing is happening. It seems invisible. God, you said rain's coming. I've told the king to start eating and drinking and be merry. Where's the rain? Finally, the seventh time he told the servant, and the servant comes back and he says, I saw a little cloud the size of a man's hand on the sea. And he's like, what? I saw something. But it's really insignificant. It's a cloud. I think we have a picture of a, a cloud. It's small. This is your big storm that's going to fix the drought after three and a half years? It's the size of a hand. And it's really insignificant. And here in our faith journey, we see the insignificant things. What does Jesus say as he's communicating to a group of people about little things? Here's what he says. Luke chapter 16, verse 10. If you are faithful with little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you, will be, you won't be honest with the greater things. The little things are responsible. More will happen. If that little cloud is big enough for you to believe that God is going to do something, something's going to happen then. God starts with little things, insignificant things. And we need to be responsible for those things so that good things can happen. And I'll be honest with you, a lot of us, including myself, are irresponsible with the way that we treat God, the way we treat his people, the way that we react to him, the struggles and the frustration and the fear that we have with him. And he's like, I am the alpha, I am the omega, and I can do wonderful things if you just let this little insignificant thing change your life. The little insignificant things really radically transform. Listen to just our own story. A pinch of flour and a little bit of oil fed three people. Just a little bit fed enough until it was time. 
A little prayer stopped rain and another prayer started rain. Jesus went in to feed 5,000 with a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish and he provided for 15 or 20,000 people. The little insignificant things can transform when God is involved. Am I the only one excited up here? I'm not looking for claps. I'm hoping your heart is leaping outside right now. I hope something is moving inside of you that you can feel because God is trying to build faith and break down that prideful, disrespectful mindset that God wants to break down so that your faith will rise up and your personal beliefs and knowledge and wisdom will all shrink and God will rise out of nothing. Jesus says, just a little seed of, of faith that's the size of a mustard can move mountains. Do you believe that can happen? I do. I've seen it happen in your lives, and I've seen it happen in my life. I've seen it happen in my buddy Mike's life. And someone here needs to realize a little bit of something will transform into mountains being moved. If Jesus says it, I put everything behind it. If Jess says it, I would question it, and I'd get out of here. And I'm not saying in the message. I'm saying on my own. We need to celebrate the small things, the insignificant things. A few people around the tree, we had no idea. We celebrate that every, week, every, every uh, July 15th or right around there. We celebrate that because it was nothing that started something. It was insignificant. It wasn't our plan. But every time we're like, dude, we've made it another year and people are still coming. Holy moly. God, you're good. I was going to say holy crap, but that's not appropriate. So, <laughs> you know, listen, I've told this story, but maybe you haven't heard it. At one point, some insignificant thing happened to my mother. My mother went to a church, it was Crossroads, and a couple women said, Hi, just hi. What's your name? Oh, my name's Diane. A little insignificant. How important is that? Not that important, but listen, it, it brought my, my mom to Christ. That little high, because she walked back into church that next week, and some women came up and said hi again. Oh, hi, Diane. And she goes, you know my name. She's got friends and fellowship. And you know what? I had someone come last week and say, your mom is so awesome. She has said hi to me and made me a part of her life that God is doing great work in her life. That's my parents' ministry. Say hi and swarm them until they can't handle the Pendergrasses anymore. <laughs> Trust me, it doesn't take much. <laughs> Such an awesome ministry. Such an awesome ministry. And it starts out of nothing. Insignificant. We need to be proud of the scraps and the little things to build our insignificant faith. Listen, if you're, do you remember anybody got a young baby right now? Thank God. But do you remember changing the diapers and nudging, going, it's your turn? It's like, what? I just did it last night. <laughs> it's your turn to feed. A good husband does that work so the mom can sleep even if she's going to be home for the next day. It's those things that build, the insignificant things that build the marriage, right? Those are the things. It's, it's, it's um, Going to work, even though the job barely makes enough or it's not even cutting the mustard, you keep going because some ways God is going to build that job into something where you're going to get a promotion or a new job's going to come or the tax refund is finally going to show up or you're just going to get your rent lowered because the landlord loves you. 
Those things happen. You come home to your spouse every day because you love them. And not only do you come home and you kick the shoes off and you drink a beer and watch the game or watch, get on Pinterest. I don't know. I was trying to think of something to say. You actually help out around the house. Those little things make the marriage work. It's not the big things. Families can get, get through the big things most of the time. It's the small things that make it. You're in a loving relationship and you want to break down the walls? Text. Write. Anybody wrote in a letter in a long time? Write a letter. I know you do, Sue. Your husband needs a few letters, he. I'm just kidding. Sim's great. You hear, Jim? We need to write and do these insignificant things. Insignificant starts with this little cloud. But when God is involved in the insignificant things, God can do wonderful things. He can do a lot with a little. Are you willing to give a little today? Mike, things got worse. Lost his house. Got into another place right down the street. And he was scouring for work. And there was something that Mike told me. I remember sitting there and he's like, I don't know what to do, bro. I need to get like four or five days of normal work to pay my mortgage every month. Four or five days. That's just the basic. And he's a, a big operator, so he could make a decent wage. But if he was making a normal wage at a company, he would have to work three weeks to make rent. And he's like, I don't know what to do. And he goes, he came to me one time and he put his arm around me. He's like, I've learned something, bro. It's like, when I just go out, if I sit at home and dwell on it, it's miserable. It's suicidal in some points. He wasn't saying that, but that's where his mind was getting really dark. He goes, when I started to just help people, Mike has moved everybody in Camarillo. He had this little trailer, and he started doing all this insignificant stuff. And at one point, he made a decision. He's like, I don't know what to do. I just can't make it. I had to borrow money from his dad to make his last rent. He's like, I'm going to go to North Dakota. And I'm like, what? North Dakota? There's a boom out in North Dakota. We're going to go to North Dakota. And I'm like, all right. So the church was small. We didn't have any money to even help him. We gave him, and he sold some crosses, and he did everything, and got out there, took his truck, and went on this trailer run, and got out to North Dakota. And I'll be honest with you. I'm like, what the heck is this guy doing? In my heart, I'm like, go Mike. I mean, in my outside, I'm like, go Mike. In my heart, I'm like, this guy is nuts, dude. I have no idea. I'm praying for you, Linda, because this guy might be lost. And he's out in North Dakota for about four days. It's in the middle of winter in January. He's trying to get work. He's staying in a trailer, and he's got no heat. And, and he's got some jobs. He's just figuring out where he's going to park the trailer. And he's going to go for six months or so and work and send all the money back and get caught up and then come back and try and start his business again, right? But what happens is that Friday night, he meets God, probably for the first time, a God that he's heard about. He almost froze to death, I'm sure. But he's shivering, and all of a sudden God says, I got a job for you And he's like, praise God. And he goes, it's back in Camarillo. (laughs) And he's like, what? Calls this guy, and this guy goes, yeah, I have something. You can start Tuesday. So Mike comes all the way back, does this insignificant trip to North Dakota, right? Spends every bit of money that everybody had to get him out there. And now I'm freaking out. I'll be honest with you. I'm like, what is this guy doing? He comes back. Guess what? The guy that he called, the job didn't line up. But he got another job by someone else, which was more stable. 
The insignificant things build us in faith, and that's how God works in life, the insignificant phase. He went to Dakota, and all of a sudden, he found his life, and he did whatever he could to be of service, and he started to make his payments, and he quit borrowing from his family for a month or two, and everything just laid into place. It was not easy. There was a lot of peanut butter and jelly and a lot of ketchup being eaten, but it was powerful. It was a powerful moment with all this insignificant. When you have this, when you're in the mindset to do the insignificant things like Mike, God meets you and he wants to move you into that incredible phase. Do you want to be in that phase today? Amen. Let's get through this. It says this. The incredible phase is something that's really powerful. Elijah shouted, hurry to Ahab and tell him, climb back to your chariot and go home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. And soon the sky was black with clouds and a heavy wind brought a terrific storm. Ahab left quickly for Jezreel and the Lord gave a special strength to Elijah. He tucked in his cloak and into his belt and ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. Here we see the end of the incredible part of the story. Rain is now here, and now Elijah has this supernatural power. And the Bible says in the old King James, he was girded up. He got his clothes set up in an athletic position. The girls put on yoga pants. The men put on workout shorts, and he's going to go. And all of a sudden, he starts running. You know, he is from this place called Gilead, which is actually a place that was, was, was built for people to run. Just like maybe Kenya is built as a country to run, Gilead was formed with a bunch of runners, and he is running ahead of the chariot to show honor to King Ahab. Even though he was against him, he wanted to honor him. And he was also showing, hey, don't forget, I have the supernatural power of God on me and I have faith and God can do anything in my life. So not only is he running ahead to honor him, but he's also to remind him, when you get back to your mean wife, remember that I have the spirit of God upon me. Now, it doesn't mean it's always easy and he struggles with some stuff, but he's showing Ahab. Now this is the incredible phase. When I think about the incredible phase of faith, and some of us are in this place, I think of this Chris Tomlin song. In, in, when we're in this incredible place, it's indescribable, uncontainable, incomparable, unchangeable, inexpressible, unimaginable, indefinable. It's untamable. It's this all-powerful God who's awesome in everything that he does. When we are in this place, we can walk through a death. We can walk through bankruptcy. We can walk through no money in our bank account. We can walk through anything that comes upon our place because no matter what, we've seen and met God. He's touched my life and nothing can change me. The problem is most of us clap, but we don't believe it. God is all-powerful, and he wants to do wonderful things. Listen, through Mike's ups and downs, Mike Moore said, this guy has rode through it nine-plus years. And I was thinking about it this week, and I was reading the story, and I was talking about faith, and his head popped in. He's like, Mike has made it. He's made it. God has showed himself. Mike got touched by God. His family has now been changed. Linda and the boys are serving in Mexico. Mike leads the group and he's leading people in Mexico constantly. Mike has been mentored by Randy, my mentor, to raise him up to be a man, to not only be on the council one day, but to be a great husband and a great follower of Jesus Christ first. Mike has been working in the children's ministry, one of the only men for years that has been teaching on Sundays. He's leading the teenagers. Like Mike, 
built crosses. And anytime there's something, he put the concrete out over here so that we can use, uh, use our, our, our trailers and our storage. Listen, when God shows up, and we are doing the invisible and insignificant phases of life. He does incredible things. Mike is a testimony that if he can do it, you can do it. And I praise God for what he's done in that man's life. To see what he has done is so powerful and so amazing. And I got to get off stage. Faith is not about seeing. Faith is about trusting. Faith is not about feelings or emotions. It's a place of assurance. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today and I ask, if someone got something, Lord, increase their faith tenfold, a hundredfold, a thousandfold, Lord. If someone's wavering, Lord, speak boldly into their heart and let them walk away. Show yourself, Father. If there's someone here that needs faith, now's the time, Lord. Call them. Holy Spirit, call them and let them repeat this prayer. Father, come into my life. I receive you as Lord and Savior. You died and rose again for me, and I thank you for that. Become my Father. Become my Savior. Become my life. Increase, your, increase my faith, Lord, with your Holy Spirit, and teach me how to walk in your ways. In Jesus' name.